Welcome to this Sunday session uh, from Resurrection to the Three Trays. I decided to light a bit of the fire because it has cooled down a lot after the lovely three days uh, that we've had. Wishing you, wow, a blessed and safe, isolated uh, Easter. Uh, very strange for many this weekend. And the thought just before I switch this on, uh, I think it was a post I saw on the Facebook uh, about the origins of Easter. A lot of people, this is commemoration of the resurrection, hence one going to tell a resurrection story. But uh, the origin of the Easter wor uh, word, because people love to relate to the eggs and the hares and the rabbits. And uh, there's uh, Ostara. On, which somehow through the Germanics and the Saxons became Easter, although some people think the bead, the scribe bead, made it up as a kind of expression of a kind of neo-paganism as he translated from their stories into his own interpretation. So even way back in late medieval times there was fake news. And then uh, from Babylonia, from Persian era, we have Ishtar. Ishtar. Uh, who was, uh, or perhaps still is, the goddess of mating, of uh, love and, and of fertility. And in fact, it almost became known as Ishtar last year uh, when Good Friday, for the first time ever in Ireland, the pubs were allowed to open. So people were coming out of the pubs and especially on Saturday and wishing everybody happy Ishtar, happy Ishtar. And uh, so I suppose maybe if they could do it, the fertility time returned. But I'm going to give you a resurrection story. And uh, as I say, it's not really the Christian one. It's not a pagan one. It's kind of a life experience. In fact, it's a little bit of a, a biographical moment. Now, this is really going to be a story rather than a rant, though it probably end up being a rant and a ramble. And for people who visited Karakrori, uh, you may have heard this, uh, so forgive me for telling it again, but it's probably going to come out very different anyway. And it really starts off from my own childhood. My mother passed away when she was four, and my father actually got married uh, quite quickly afterwards to a woman who was very lively, very assertive, and she always wanted me to be top of the class before I even started school, so she got me writing and reading and uh, for the reading it wasn't the usual sort of Janet and John books or the ABC books she slammed down the King James Bible which in a way was quite surprising she was a, a Methodist and I thought they used a more um, what they call the modern Bible something like that anyway it was this King James and I remember I got excited by the challenge of reading this and uh, I actually managed to work out the words and some sort of pronunciation of them and as I figured all these words out and I absolutely love the challenge and I'm surprised that even today that I'm not speaking to you with lots of these and thous and whence and hence and all those words that I was obviously learning as first reading words but uh, I got fascinated not because of the religion not because of Christianity, 
are fascinated by these fabulous stories. And the one story that really got my attention was the resurrection because it was going through my mind how many people were considering that everything was an end game. Today we sort of call it linear, that there's a start and that there's an end. And I couldn't accept that. I couldn't accept that stuff came to an end, that somehow there was a cycle, there was a spiral that we always were part of. So when I read the resurrection, I thought, goodness me, this is pretty cool. Uh, here is um, this lad, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the crucifixion on Friday. But no, he was sort of taken away in a cave and he actually returned to life uh, and to, to life forever, for, to life hereafter, infinite life. I should know the biblical term for that, but that became obviously the cornerstone for the Christian religion. But understandably so, and then in later years, when you go to secondary school, high school, whatever, one of the first physics lessons you actually learn is that nothing is formed or destroyed. It's always changed into something else. And I was, it was great to get that verification uh, when I was at school. So to get on with the story of this, as I say, she got me reading and writing, but she got impatient with me because I was very much a child of wonder. And wherever I was going, I had to stop and look at things. And she used to get very irritated because she was off to go to somewhere. And at that time we were in uh, the Yorkshire Moors, uh, between Bailden and Neilkley, a place called the Glen. Lovely place, because down in the valley there was water, there was a woodland, and I playing that. Or I'd be up in the moors flying my kite. Uh, it was a lovely start, I must admit. Uh, there were some challenges, but I'm not going to go into that uh, in that story. And her mother lived in a sort of rural area, uh, uh, in another direction outside of Bradford and we go to Bradford I don't know if it was once a week or every two weeks and um, that was to do some shopping or errands and to get from Bradford she said it was a shortcut but it was very pretty and it was through a park a lovely park and it was this time of year I don't know if it was Easter but it was certainly very close to this and we were wandering through and there was a crowd of people gathered and the crowd of people it was a stage and around the stage, there were people performing. Now, to backtrack a bit, uh, where we lived in the Glen, we used to get home deliveries of uh, various things, and most notable was the milkman and the baker. And the milkman was amazing. He was a young uh, person, uh, very much, I suppose, of the teddy boy ilk of the time. He had the wavy hair, and he always had the comb and uh, the jacket and always had a grin, always had this amazing grin. And when he first delivered, uh, he was bringing the milk around with a horse and cart. Very dodgy if the horse bolted, but I think it must have been mid fifties. He was so delighted when they, they traded in his horse and cart for one of these drag along electric um, milk floats. But uh, he had hills to go up and down. I, can't, I couldn't imagine that working out very well. And in fact, he didn't really have that long. I think it was about a year or so. And he got upgraded to one of these sit-on milk floats. And all this time, he had the big grin and delivering some of the milk. He also had butter and so forth. And the baker, 
he uh, he was a grumpy old so-and-so. <laughs> I don't know why. He just stuck to his horse and cart anyway. Anyway, though, there was this stage and there was stuff going on and I was absolutely fascinated. There was music, there were songs. I, you know, me being the child of wonder, oh, what's going on? And there was my stepmother wandering on, turning around, stop your dawdling, come on, we've got to get going. We've got to get to uh, your step-grandmother. But I just took no notice. I was just enchanted uh, by this stage and I had to go up close to see what was... Um, what was there and on the stage was the milkman with his big grin and uh, he was singing the Tommy Steele song was uh, about singing the blues I just say this guy with a grin I feel like singing the blues you know, I can't remember the lyrics of it now but I just was sort of taken by this so he sang this song and he looked really good with his wavy hair and his nice sort of velvety collared striped jacket and big buckled belt and uh, his extra tight turnover jeans you know the and winkle pickers of course and he held that and everybody cheered it seemed everybody loved the milkman but on came after him was the baker the miserable old baker and i think he had his uh, i think it was his sister who worked at mill in halifax and she was there and there was other women and were they were, they were kind of seniors in a way and the the baker he was playing the guitar and uh, the women had washboards and there was some fella there that had the tea chest uh, with a broomstick handle and the singular strong boom 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 and uh, they were they were singing uh, the Lonnie Donegan song putting on the style and it, it was so funny because they, whereas the baker with his big grin, they were all there with the reverse grin, putting on the agony, putting on the style. That's what all the young folks are doing all the while. And I thought that was still fascinating. And obviously I've been there a few minutes, uh, just taken by this whole thing. And I looked around, oh boy. My stepmother had vanished and I wasn't clear of how to get to my uh, grand uh, step-grandmother. Oh God, I sort of panicked a bit. Next thing, there was this giant man came towards me. And tallish man, well for a little me that was probably that high. Tall man, dark suit, it was one of the men in black. <laughs> Lifted me up, boom, and up the steps, boom, down onto the stage. Uh, 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 what's all this? What's, you know, what's going on here? And uh, as I turned around, there I saw the milkman grinning. And I didn't see the baker. Oh, I did see the baker. That's right, he was a mm, reverse grin. But I was paying attention to the milkman because he was sort of a hero and idol of mine at the time. And then I did actually caught sight of the raging stepmother. Yeah, you wanted to get on with it, so you get on with it, you do something. You know, she was sort of doing the sort of cursing there. And this man in black, he sort of bent, I think he wore a Homburg, and he, he, he bowed down and he had these microphone. And of course, in those days, the microphone, there was long black thing, like they had white icing on the top. And what are you going to do, little man? What? Oh, goodness. Yeah, and, oh, I've got to perform something. Oh, dear. Oh, oh. 
And I remember that uh, the day before at school, we had been learning the nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty. So uh, I said, well, I, I, I'm going to do Humpty Dumpty. Oh, Humpty Dumpty, how lovely. And Milkman still grins. And I thought, oh, goodness me, I better do a good job of this. And uh, 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 um, uh, Humpty Dumpty had was up on a wall and Humpty Dumpty oh he had a great fall all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again as I was going through this I thought how idiotic is all this all the king's horses couldn't put Humpty together again if the horses saw Humpty who was a big egg and had got down there and was all smashed on the floor, they're going to lick it up and get there because eggs are good for their coats, make the coats all shiny. So can't depend on the horses. And as for the king's men, austerity and all that stuff, no chance there. So poor old Humpty on the bottom. I thought, well, this is not good enough. So I, I went straight into my version of the resurrection story uh, that from the Bible that I was obviously very excited about. But in the story I told then, I had to do a continuity. So Humpty Dumpty actually became Jesus Christ. And <laughs> so Humpty Dumpty, I wasn't going to accept that he wasn't going to be repaired. And uh, so in my story, uh, of course in the uh, Christian story, it'd be the angels come along. But because of what my uncles and aunts and various other relations on the father's side believed in, they believed in the guiding spirits and the uh, guardian spirits. So to me, it was the, the guardian spirits turned up and they kept uh, Humpty Dumpty's spirit alive and calm. And uh, their idea was to move him to a cave that was nearby, but because they couldn't physically do it. Of course, the milkman and the baker turned up and they helped to move his remains into the cave. Whereas the guardian spirits, they actually... Uh, aim to repair Humpty Dumpty and reform him. But it was a transformation, it was a resurrection. Humpty Dumpty didn't become an egg again. What they made was a huge cloud. And they released this cloud, the, and this is the story I told on the stage, releasing this, this cloud that spread everywhere and sprinkled lovely fertilizing rain and all these flowers came up. And meanwhile, the milkman and the baker, they, they actually collapsed the wall and so there was no wall anymore. And like in all these uh, stories, because there was no wall, no boundary, everyone lived happily ever after. And that was the story I was told. I went on to a sort of finalising verse I made up uh, about Humpty Dumpty, but unfortunately I haven't got that with me now. So that was my story of uh, resurrection. <laughs> and uh, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, well, in any story, if you're telling a story, um, and if you're writing a book, if you're writing a short story, if you're following a, a theatre play, or you're watching a movie, uh, there is definitely a format. And I think back to the three trees. Now, the three trees the T-R-I-I of the Bard. And these were the enchanting strains of the Bard. 
with most stories, everything is quite nice and happy. There was Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, obviously very contented, very happy. He was going through Chantry time, G-E-A-N-T-R-A-I. So he was going through Chantry, Gentry, various pronunciations of it. So things start happy and uh, everything's sort of going to a routine, not much in the way of trouble, just like we were before the the coronavirus came in, I suppose is a good way of putting it. And uh, the thing is with a story, it's not going to really sell itself if everybody is, is happy and they remain happy. I mean, we love sort of happiness, so along comes the gold tree. The gold tree, G-O-I-L-T-R. AI and this is the time of challenge of melancholy and uh, some people would say darkness and uh, one of the things that peeved me as a child and I think it still does now is how many people get locked into that it's like as if they get to the crucifixion the good friday and they stay there uh, there is it's as if this belief in the end game and of course we got this uh, if you're online with social media, we're getting this with the conspiracy people. This is an end game that Bill Gates is becoming the puppeteer of our all. And um, I suppose the 5G is going to irradiate us all. And that's more serious than, than catching this stuff that's going around. All this sort of stuff. Uh, and, the, and even with burials, I think sometimes the, the body is there. You've got the grace and boom, that's the end of it. But I'm always thinking about the resurrection and even that basic physics that nothing is created uh, or dies away. It just transforms into something else. And that transformation time is the one I love, the Sion tree. The Sion tree is the enchantment of the dreaming, of the sleep and the dreaming. And in these stories, uh, it's quite amazing how everything is lovely and everybody's living a happy life and then the challenges come along either they lose their home or someone becomes ill or some sort of what might be regarded as a disaster happens but they don't leave it there although some modern dramas are starting to leave it there which i find very unfortunate but there's always a way out and the way out is through going deep into your hunches into your conscience into your imagination into your dreaming and whoomph, it all comes out. Ah, yes, this is what we do. And it becomes all enacted. It's almost like that phrase that came saw a Christian thing that God provides everything. And the monk said to me, yeah, I agree with that. And it's always at the last moment, isn't it? And so there's this resolve. And, he, and so we go back into everybody's living happily ever after. But as you know, people don't live it happily ever after. If they did... We wouldn't know what good times were because it's as if it needs the melancholy, it needs, it needs the gold tree to understand jean tree and it needs the soul tree to actually be that twilight zone between the two, uh, so like day and night, and uh, night and day. So I think that's enough. Uh, we're going to be talking more about the three strains of the bard when uh, we have a harp session. I think it comes up in the... Apple session, but uh, I hope you enjoyed that little uh, ramble for Easter. I'll have a, a quick look here. Darn, I've missed half the story. Well, it doesn't matter, Teresa, because this will be archived. I'll be making zooped up YouTube, 
uh, as I usually do. There's quite a few of you watching today. So thank you very much. Uh, blessed Easter. And I assume you're watching this all with your hands very much washed and uh, everything you touch sanitized. But I hope you are finding uh, joy. Oh, there's one thing. I usually finish off with a poem. So I haven't got really got a poem for this, but there was something I posted. And uh, I called it The Nourishment of Love. And I hope you don't mind me reading this for a couple of minutes. The Nourishment of Love. I still believe these conspiracy theories are a result of catching more on a virus, a deadlier killer than the other stuff that's going around. Symptoms are fear, nervousness, stress, detachment from love, all leading to depletion of our immune systems that cause our, come on in all of you other viruses, let's go and play. Preventions and healing are best done the holistic way. I suggest first go out and hug a tree or put your hands in the dirt to retune your mind and whole being and try to do this in the sunlight, which is not today. Then before the virus rebounds back, get involved in planting some trees, a hedge, some shrubs, sow seeds, get plants to grow food, create raised beds if you need to. And if it's raining, showering, cold or dark, you can start and continue the book you have promised yourself to write for many years. You can record the songs and poems you've also written over the years. Learn how to make baskets. Learn po uh, pottery. Yeah, learn poetry as well. And even self-build a hobbit house. Put your hands to work and let the voice of your heart, your conscience, your instinct flow through. And this should protect you from the logical man-made moron virus infecting you and destroying this precious moment, this precious time we have that many have longed for for so, so long. Clinical trials about this? Well, I don't suggest you thinking back to past worries, otherwise you'll infect yourself again. But I suspect that 1% of all those past worries and fears that you've had, or may still have, actually become your present and actually happen. Now compare that to the possibility that 40 to 60% of what you sow and grow now could reach maturity and you'd be able to harvest. The only side effect that I know from this natural therapy is through the daylight hours, this well, the daylight hours here in the Northern Hemisphere, they're getting longer, but the days actually seem to be getting shorter. Are you finding that? It's as if suddenly we've got too much that we want to do. And being so full of ourselves, our love and creativity, the moronavirus and other viruses, they just give up and they go away. Well, what they do is they starve. That's what they do, they starve and we've deprived them of their nourishment as they are, no, they are no longer the colonists that are enslaving us. So wishing you a good feasting, a good egging, a good nourishing Easter. And if you're in the garden, well, that's really celebrating it. So I look forward to um, joining you for Sunday session next Sunday, which I think is an introduction to the Orm. 
So I look forward, when we had that here, the cottage was packed with people. So I look forward to sharing you with that. And enjoy the rest of your uh, Easter time. Enjoy the rest of your isolation time, your creative time, your planting time, and your connecting with all lifetime. Thank you very much for watching. Bye. Bye.